Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Difficult Conversations, where we tackle taboo topics in a safe space through empowerment and education. The cultures that we belong to, the religion that we belong to, the families that we have, the friends that we have, how those things affect and impact and influence our view of love, our view of partners, our view of the journey. This episode, we're going to be talking about how culture and family affect how you view life and how you view romantic encounters and relationships and what to look for in a person. We'll start off with a story that I actually have about people that I know in my life. I knew these couple, two sets of couples. The first set, and they taught me a lot. They grew up in the same culture, in normal culture, and they were both academic-focused and they used to go to school but at some point before they got married the girl and their relationship started like excelling and her trajectory started speeding up faster than the guy so by the time that they got married the girl was financially stable she had her own house and she had graduated the guy was still going to school but he was working minimum wage job He was still basically a college student while she was basically adulting up. First five years of their marriage, she was earning more and she was like established in her life, in her career life. That was something I grew up watching. I could say it really truly impacted how I view things as well. And then also later on, you know, obviously because he was focused, he was still going to school and he was still improving himself. He did catch up. But now you could say that they're equals. So... That was people that were very prominent in my life that I knew from, you know, Mm -hmm. far. And I could see them and I could see every little cranny and like... Mm -hmm. So it was very interesting to see the not so typical Mm -hmm. relationship where the girl is the one that's going to school. And like the guy is the one that's out earning her and like basically putting her through school. Mm -hmm. Not seeing that and seeing the opposite of that. It really is like very impactful, I feel like. Why do you think this story specifically stood out? And what has it taught you? It stood out for many reasons for me because the first thing is that I learned what to look for and what not to look for. For example, in our community, we are told to like, oh, the guy has to be successful. The guy has to have his own stuff going on before you guys get married and so on and so forth. And seeing that relationship, it made me realize that it's not where the guy is that matters, it's where he wants to go and where he has plans to go, where he has the goal to go, what his mindset is. So for me, it taught me like, I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what's in your pocket right now. I don't care what kind of family you come from. What's in your mind? What's your goal? What's your destination? You know, that was something that was very clear to me because I knew how they were able to prosper. And it's not rosy, everything, because obviously the culture, it was like in their ear, right? Like either talking to him like, oh, she's probably acting like this because she out-earns you. Yeah, she out-earns you. Or, oh, she said this to you? How dare she? She must think that she's the man of the house, right? Mm -hmm. So they put guests in the thing Mm -hmm. or they would tell her oh how dare he say that to you you are the one that you know whatever brought him to school exactly so if they listen to that it would be very destructive but alhamdulillah they didn't listen to all of that they were just very focused in what they wanted to do and what their goals were and they knew what their relationship was so it was very educational for me to know like okay 
what you need is someone that is willing to go the distance with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was something that I learned from that from that interaction. I feel like that's really important because we grow up in our families and our culture and we always get to this idea of culture, right? So mm-hmm. when defining culture, a lot of people say it's basically certain things that a group of people share, mm-hmm. certain values which affect your identity and how you identify yourself and how you relate to these type of people in the community and people in our culture. Mm-hmm. So when you say that because you had those experiences, that's what you look for when mm-hmm. you're trying to get married. Yeah. So I think that's very important to point out. Definitely. And I think specifically like for me, I had an encounter where this person was like flashing off money and like showing off the fancy car and stuff like that and I really didn't care I was like cool that's yours Mm -hmm. I could do that too if I wanted to Mm -hmm. like inshallah give me some time (laughs) (laughs) give me some time I could do that too but that's also it gives you space in your mind to look for other things that are important if you're not so distracted by the shiny things that the person can bring for you I think most of the time our families sometimes focus on what did he graduate with or Mm -hmm. whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. And they don't pay attention to even when they're trying to give their girl away, the questions that they ask is about, which is fair. Mm -hmm. I'm not discouraging that, right? Mm -hmm. It's about his financial standards Mm -hmm. and status than what his goals are. So like if a broke guy comes to pick up their daughter and they get discouraged. And most mm-hmm. of the time, they don't allow that guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I feel like that also comes from a place of wanting to protect her and mm-hmm. wanting to make sure that she's secure and that she is taken care of, too. Yeah. From a financial standpoint. They are protecting her, right? They're protecting her from living in a hard life. But what if this guy that is broke right now has a million-dollar idea that he has a plan in the he has a map to get there and he has the iman and he has the temperament and all of that thing that's like good for you but versus this guy that has the money right now but he doesn't know how to spend it he doesn't know how to save it he has a bad temperament you know what i mean mm-hmm. and he likes looks good on paper mm-hmm. but for the future of their daughter she's not safe there either mm-hmm. that's true so. so would you say that the gender role for you to kind of outside of cultural perspective that has been pre-existing. What else did they do that in that stories that you told that made you realize, okay, I like that part, Mm -hmm. one. And what else did you see as you continue to like have the evolution of this relationship? And I think another thing that I learned watching that was if you are comfortable in your masculinity or femininity, whatever the other person does, doesn't affect you. Meaning If you are comfortable in your masculinity and you know exactly what your goal is and who you are and where you're going, if you're down and out for like six months Mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, you know, I'm not where I need to be right now. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make you feel like, oh, now she's the man of the house. Mm -hmm. Even though that's what society will tell you, Mm -hmm. they will make you feel bad. Your family will make you feel bad. The community will make you feel bad. But in your head, you know who you are. You're not going to be defeated by being at home or whatever the case is. And by femininity, I mean like these women, alhamdulillah, for some reason, like all my life, I've been surrounded by alpha women. They were my mom. She was an assistant engineer. And I don't say that in a light way. I say it like she was able to go to work and be the boss at work and then come home and be completely at ease being 
of service to my dad. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It didn't make her less of a person. It didn't make her like her obedience didn't make her not have worth. Mm -hmm. She was very much what you would consider to be. Maybe I'm talking through rose colored glasses and it's okay. But what you would consider like Allah has prescribed the wife to be like. Mm -hmm. She was the person that would take care of my dad and she was the, you know, homemaker and she made, you know, all of those things. She was the mother, all of these things. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, when she goes to work, she's on. Mm -hmm. It was just for, it was just transformed into whatever situation she was in that I was talking about earlier in that situation. They're alpha women. But at the same time, when they were around their husbands, Mm -hmm. they could bring it down and be the wife. Mm -hmm. There were moments, of course, there's shaitan. You can walk into that house and tell, okay, who's the head of the house? You could Mm -hmm. tell. And it's regardless of what, where they were financially. Mm -hmm. So that's really cool to think about. I think it takes a lot of introspection and a lot of space for both of them to be able to give each other that space and be like, okay, almost have an unspoken agreement to you're the man i'm the woman you know let's get Mm -hmm. this done you avoid a lot of like headbutting and stuff like that because egos will flare up and egos will get in the way Um, especially when you're pushing back on what society and what culture tells you Mm -hmm. and especially you know coming from ethiopia because this this happened in ethiopia Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. you know them getting married and stuff like that what are some things that i guess people around them have pushed back on and kind of said to them it's so toxic man but i know for a fact that they had more on it's funny because more on her his side i don't know more on his side or her side they would get comments like i said for example oh that she's saying this and this because this is not your house Mm. right because technically like she bought the house before they moved whatever so oh she's saying this and this because it's not your house oh or she's acting this way because you're you know da, 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 da. or the other way around where it's like oh how could you let him hmm. so say people this? would instigate oh yeah oh yeah and also sometimes even within themselves because insecurity is real mm-hmm. cultural influence and the way you grow up is very real and I, i've seen it diminish over time but i would remember times where it was you could tell it was just all about ego Mm -hmm. you could tell this person wasn't letting this thing go because their ego was telling them like oh there would be a fight about coffee and then it would always all of a sudden turn into oh you're saying this because i am making less money than you (laughs) (laughs) yeah or or whatever the case is so you think it's just so funny how to learn like okay you have to make sure Whenever you, what is, what is, what is the things that I grew up learning? What are the things that I saw? What are the things that I was told by either action or by words were important? And then specifically, I also, the same, same women told me a story about a person that was courting her before she met her husband. And this person was a doctor and he was all these things and on paper, very good, Mm -hmm. right? But then very like critical and like very controlling controlling and very critical and very demeaning and all of these things. And now when she looks back in hindsight, she's like, I wouldn't be half the person I was if I was married to that person versus the person that I'm married to, Mm -hmm. you know, and 
the progress is both ways. Mm-hmm. Her husband was able to give her the space to be the conqueror that she became. Mm-hmm. And she was able to give him the space and to hold the fort down so that he could go and conquer the things that he was able to do and he wanted to do. And now they're like doing epic things and they're epic people mm-hmm. because they were able to balance each other out. They're like, okay, I can sit it down, sit out mm-hmm. for now. Mm-hmm. I'll let you do your thing and mm-hmm. then tap me in and I'll go in and I'll, you know what I mean? And it was beautiful, beautiful to watch. And Alhamdulillah, I try to model that in my life to being able to be like, okay, if my husband needs me to sit out from my career, from my trajectory, mm-hmm. so that he could do something that he has this clear idea of where to go, mm-hmm. I should be more than happy in, to be able to do so. Mm-hmm. And inshallah, hopefully he's also able to, I can tap him, like he can mm-hmm. tap out and then I could go do the things that I'm interested in. I think that's really, really important. And I feel like most of the time in our culture, Instead of thinking as we and as a unit, mm-hmm. when you become married, the community tr- tries to make you compete against each other. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not healthy. And I think that a lot of that comes from like this idea of trying to pigeonhole you as a woman or you as a man into what they view as a wife is supposed to do or a husband is supposed to do. And so like say your husband decides to stay home and mm-hmm. with the kids for like a couple months while you finish your degree or while you take on a full-time job. Mm-hmm. That is just taboo because it pushes back against their idea cultural or the norms. cultural norms mm-hmm. of a guy being out there and working and mm-hmm. you know getting that money. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like as a couple and you have to be really intentional you have to have really vulnerable and deep conversations about what you yourself want as a unit mm-hmm. and because you know people are going to say things or people are going to try to poke at your union regardless you already know that that's a given right. unfortunately it's not a place where we lift up couples mm-hmm. that are working I like to just see the house on fire yeah and kind of talk about it how they should <laughs> right. figure it out yeah. but i right. do wanted to ask you both because you both are married how long does it take or what is the process of maybe other examples of marriage that you've seen where a couple were working? Because all the things that you're saying about the story that you're telling, Bonnie, it takes time for the couples to come to a place where they both can see eye to eye mm-hmm. on their gender role, whatever the role that may be is mm-hmm. in their relationship without the outside external community not getting into it. But Talk about that more, like the process, the conversation that you may have to have with your husband or, you know, have with yourself. Like, okay, how do I tackle this type of patriarchy, cultural norms that needs to be, woman needs to do this and man needs to do that versus Mm -hmm. we have to figure out our own frame sets of what we want, not Mm -hmm. what all this external reason being. When did you guys realize to have those conversations in getting to know your person or even like... The examples that you saw. Before I started talking to my husband, I had a list of 40 things that I was looking for. These were traits. These were like physical appearances and stuff like that. But when me and my husband were talking and I decided that this is the person that I wanted to marry, I really had to tune out a lot of people's opinions and tune out a lot of people's advice, especially I feel like when you are at the stage of getting married, you've decided on this person. For some reason, there's always chatter and there's always mm-hmm. little comments here and there or whatever. So I always have a mental chat with myself where I'm like, okay, this doesn't matter. You need to tune this A, B, and C out. Because what that does is just it creates doubt and it mm-hmm. creates, it almost gives you like cold feet. 
you know? Mm-hmm. And so you have to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And as I'm at this ripe old age of 30, <laughs> it feels so good to mm-hmm. not care. Well, I like, yeah. because when you are just doing you, you have so many things that like, so many anxiety, so much stress that just falls off. Alhamdulillah. Right. Alhamdulillah. I kind of didn't tell anybody at all that I was talking to my husband. But before I met my husband, actually, when I was in middle school, maybe even elementary school, I always had a list. Like I always say, like my idea of success always included husband and family and career and all of those things. Since the trajectory might have been different in my career, but I've always been like, okay, this is what I wanted to do. Like I always wanted to. So even with my husband, I had a list, you know, like I'm like, he has to be this, he has to be Muslim, he has to be Oromo. I used to always say that I wanted him to be more connected and more religious than I ever was because I felt like if he fears Allah and if Allah is so important to him, his relationship with God is so important to him and he's honestly, genuinely in that relationship, then he could not do me wrong. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because he that relationship is real for him. It's not ambiguous. It's not something that he goes to when he's down and out. Mm-hmm. It's... It's real, so he cannot do me wrong. And I also wanted a teacher. That's part of being the man of the house is teaching you and, and being responsible for the knowledge of your family. Mm-hmm. So I wanted him to be able to be my teacher and my guide in Islam. Mm-hmm. So that was very important to me before I met him or anything. But when I did, I didn't talk to anybody. I think that was the best thing I could have ever done. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't talk to anybody because that was the biggest secret I ever kept. I'm, I have a big mouth, y'all. <laughs> I want myself. Other people's, I'm the best secret keeper because I forget. But my shit is always out. Everybody knows about it. So that was the biggest, the best thing I could have done. So let me ask you a question then. I know we both said that we made a list and stuff like that. Of the things on your list... What was more of an influence of those things that landed on your list? Oh, I actually want to know. It's a lot of the things that are on your list. Does your husband have it? The influence, (laughs) I feel like my top 10, and alhamdulillah, was he had it. Like I said, I don't have this very detailed, very like unattainable list but I was like not that I'm not saying your 40s are unattainable you don't know what's on there. I don't know so but what I'm saying is like I just had he had to be very much into his dean and he was that was mm-hmm. something that was in his daily life mm-hmm. he had to be a really good connection with his family mm-hmm. he had to be emotionally secure he had to be low-key mm-hmm. he had to be funny I have to find him funny because I like laughing mm-hmm. I like the sound of my own laughter <laughs> so i wanted to be best friends with this person Mm -hmm. and i wanted him to be like i know this is sound this is gonna create sounds crazy but i wanted him to be unbroken who has emotional security enough to create safe space for you yeah the reason why i say that all jokes aside is because i knew that i was working on tough things i was Mm -hmm, working on tough trauma i Mm -hmm. grew up an orphan right Mm -hmm. i lost my parents in about six months time Mm -hmm. and i have a very vivid image of how they died and Mm -hmm. who they were and how it wasn't like someone that i didn't know was Mm -hmm. these people that i grew up idolizing that i lost so that was a lot of trauma and i didn't even open that 
vault of trauma until I was in high school, maybe even in college. So it was very ripe. I knew that if he was damaged as well, mm-hmm. then if he had his own trauma that he was working on, then we could trigger each other. Yeah. I might say that's selfish. a bad thing. That sometimes is a good thing as long as you both know how to navigate, um, communicate that saying, being a vulnerable space, saying, look, I believe the way you said this has triggered this part of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's you get there and have that conversation when you are, I feel like, healthier right Mm -hmm. healthier than i was at that time so what you're basically saying is when you were coming up with your list you were very conscious of who i was at the time and what i was capable of doing and what 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 kind of communication yeah and what i was going through and what kind of communication i was able to have right Mm -hmm. that being able to be like what you said made me feel this Mm -hmm. way i feel like that's a higher emotional intelligence that i didn't have at the time and Mm -hmm. i knew i didn't have that at the time Mm -hmm. so i needed so you wanted somebody who has emotional intelligence (laughs) that too so all of those things right so he met those things that were very real for me it was very custom made list and again that part of being i didn't care how much money you have i don't care what kind of family you come from tribe was not that important to me you had to be Oromo. i didn't care what tribe Mm -hmm. you had to be muslim that was very important like okay you had to know where you're going first the influence part I feel like I grew up in a very traditional Oromo family. And so one of the things... Can you explain what that is? So, for example, my parents were very traditional and really religious. Uh We went to Madrasa every weekend. And there were certain things that were kind of a given Mm -hmm. and like that was expected. Without it being verbally said, the requirement was an Oromo guy, right? Okay. An even better requirement was that he's Arsi. Okay. And even maybe my dad's tribe right so these are things that it's not outwardly spoken but it's more of like yeah yeah that's what it is okay which you know which is there's nothing wrong with and so when i'm doing these lists i'm mindful of that too so trying to find a a brother that were i didn't have to go against the grain when Mm -hmm. i brought him home to my parents Mm -hmm. and my husband alhamdulillah hits a lot of those 40 mm-hmm. and some of them were working towards it <laughs> <laughs> but alhamdulillah there is a power in writing things down mm-hmm. and it's almost when you write it down your mind kind of looks for it it's clear it's clear mm-hmm. yeah it's very clear mm-hmm. and so when you are entertaining somebody or when you're talking to somebody you already know okay this person is clearly not on the list. So you won't next, be wasting your time. You will not be wasting mm-hmm. your time. So alhamdulillah, in that way, that list really has helped me out. The second question is, the question is for both of you. How big is the religiosity aspect play a role based on what you grow up around? Mm-hmm. And when you're talking to this person, like, how did you create that idea? Yeah, it was huge, 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 huge. Because mm-hmm. I feel like my like my heart mm-hmm. was always religious my heart always gravitated towards the dean i didn't have the knowledge in my family it was a good a pro and a con in the sense that religion was never forced on us because it was enforced on us i was able to maintain my love for it does that make mm-hmm. sense hijab was never forced on us therefore when i did wear hijab like it was a big but when i didn't wear it it wasn't a bad thing yeah. so it, i didn't have this love hate relationship with hijab it was mm-hmm. always love mm-hmm. i did criticize myself for it and how it you know it was mm-hmm. more of from me than my family and then also the fact that 
religion wasn't forced on us the pro of it was like it kept my love for it clean and like it wasn't contaminated by like oh my god i don't want to do this and i'm being forced to go here and do this you know that thing Mm -hmm. versus with that but i also wished that there was more of religious structure Mm -hmm. in our family because if prayer was a daily thing it was like something that was expected or something not necessarily preached or punished or something like that but more of like that you saw by example knowing my heart and knowing what I wanted I feel like it would have been something automatic for me instead of work mm-hmm. you know I say work because I had to work to get prayer to uh, like a habit for me as an adult versus people that I know now that's it's just they can sense that Adan coming like you know what I mean <laughs> So like that a sixth sense. Yeah. yeah. And I don't have that. For me, prayer is work. I have to work. I have to have alarms. I have to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So for that, I think that was a con. That's why I wanted to make sure that my husband was someone that I could learn from. My husband was someone that had that sixth sense of like, okay, I'm going to tell you guys a quick, like a very, the minute I knew this guy, I was my guy. We were at a fair, like I don't know, ride something. You know, the ones that come to cities? Mm, It was like that. So we went there and I think it was like Maghrib time and you could feel him twitching. What's going on? He's like, it's prayer time. I need to pray, but I don't know where to pray. He literally like a fiend, (laughs) y'all. Like, and I was like, okay. And then he's like, oh, there's a grass right there. I have a prayer mat in my car. I'm going to go pray over there. And I was like, where? At the front of the Walgreens? on the grass in front of the Walgreens is like, yeah. And I'm like, you guys run the North in Minnesota, the North. Okay. Where Trump's people live very freely. I was very scared. And I was like, you know, I'm going to keep watch. You pray. (laughs) (laughs) I literally was like, my fear paralyzed me. If like, what if someone comes and like hit us or something when we're, so I was like, I'm going to keep watch you. Safety wasn't a thing for him. He didn't care who was watching. He just put out his rap, uh, prayer rug. He put it on the thing. He found his qibla and he just started praying. And I'm sitting there in fear. Like, okay, who's going to come? How am I going to protect this guy? Like, I'm ready for it. And all of these things. But it wasn't a thing for him. I knew. I was like, this guy. And it wasn't that wasn't a one day. That was a repeated thing. But the more he did that, and I knew he wasn't doing it to impress me. It was just his instinct. Mm-hmm. So whenever someone asks me, when did you know? I'm mm-hmm. like, I knew him in front of Walgreens. Yeah. <laughs> At that fair In that, Trumpland. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, religiosity was always a thing in our family. Mm-hmm. We grew up, like I said earlier, going to Madrasa and my mom and my dad, especially like they made it a thing for us to learn Quran and go through Tajweed and stuff like that. And my dad, like I always heard him. Um, he would finish the Quran like every couple of days. And he was just reiterating every couple of days. And so, alhamdulillah, now that I'm grown, at the time when I was young, I was like, okay, why do I have to do this? Why am I doing this and learning mm-hmm. all this stuff? But now, alhamdulillah, because I can read the Quran because of that, mm-hmm. you know, and I can go deeper in Islamic studies because of that. And mm-hmm. how strict they were, mm-hmm. I'm so, so, so appreciative right now. It might not be the type of parenting that I want to do right now, mm-hmm. but it was the right way to parent mm-hmm. us as a first generation in early in 2000s. Yeah. That was the best thing that they could have done for us. How did you guys fight within yourself the religious cultural aspect of it? What I mean by that, I'm going to explain for our audience and as well as for you guys too, is that 
when people just do the religious things mm -hmm. for the cultural reason, mm -hmm. like Ramadan festival thing. Mm -hmm. And was that some things that you have to like kind of clear on? Like, listen, I love Allah and I want to focus on that when it comes to my partner and my family that I will build with this individual and versus the religious culture. Like, you know, you have Eid, you have Ramadan and you have this specific cultural things that we do, mm -hmm. but then religiosity is not there. The going to the masjid part, the constantly learning about the deen or reevaluating going into seminars or mm -hmm. things like that. How did you guys kind of battle that out? For me, it's interesting because I can look at it two ways. Ramadan was when everybody's deen was on the epics. Everybody was like, well, in our family, might not be big for everybody, but everybody in our family was wearing a hijab and everybody was in our family was praying. The things that you think like, it's like cool, not that big of a deal, but it was a thing. It was like, you pray, you fast, but then it was more about that. That was like the big thing. And then they go to prayer. The guys go to masjid for prayer. The girl, we never went mm -hmm. for prayer during Ramadan for like Tarawih or stuff like that. I always thought that it was just the guys that were allowed to go. Until in high school, again, this girl, we would go to Tarawih and we would go to Hajjud and stuff like that with her family. And that's when I was, oh, wow. We, there's, it's not just us that are going there. It's like yeah. there's a whole... So that was really cool for me to learn and stuff like that. But the con of the cultural Islamic connection mm -hmm. is I feel like not for me necessarily, but for someone that I love in my very, very dearly, the part that pushed them away from Islam wasn't Islam. It was the cultural, mm -hmm. it was the culture that was intertwined with Islam, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. People culturally are very judgmental. Mm. So we were at this fundraiser mm -hmm. and I went with a friend of mine and she's not a hijabi. It's very interesting because she's pursuing Islam in her own way. She... Literally, while she was in college in north of north, north of north, in the middle of white people, she Amazon ordered like the English translation of a Quran and like she's like reading the Quran and like listening to lectures. She's pursuing Islam in her own way and the way that makes sense to her. She's trying to understand it and learn from it and stuff like that. So because they saw her and they saw how like the fact that she was in a hijabi and the way she was dressed and she was dressed modestly, mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't like she was dressed inappropriately. She was, she was dressed appropriately. She was just not a hijabi. And she could hear him talking about her, like, look at her and this and that. And she was just getting so angry. And imagine this is a fundraiser. You're there to help people. How are you there to help people but like are judging people about how they're dressed? Not only they're talking about her, but they were laughing. They were laughing and so, looking and very, making oh it very, God. very yeah. clear and very, she was getting very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to like joke and keep her mind off of it. But I remember. Did you when, say something? No, she was trying to say something. I said, don't say anything, don't match their energy. But I remember when she left, I walked behind her because I was like, just in case someone says something, mm -hmm. I don't want her to be the person that makes a scene. It's going to be me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I walked behind her just to make sure because if she's walking out and they're saying something behind her, I wanted to, I, I was ready. Mm. And that's people like that, that yeah. make it so hard for people like her, people like me to get closer because if you're not someone that goes into the book mm -hmm. if you're not someone that goes into the right and use the right arena to look for islam and if you're looking for islam and people yeah they will disappoint you and yeah. they will push you away from it 
Yeah, that's why I asked that question for mm-hmm. you guys as in looking for a spouse mm-hmm. or even the process or examples of that you saw. Mm-hmm. Is there a moment where you're like, I'm not going to take this cultural behavior aspect of mm-hmm. it affect the beauty of the religion mm-hmm. as I'm getting to know this individual yeah. and or the examples of other people you see? Because sometimes what they would tell people would tell you is that I know that it's been said to me that prayer you you make him pray when you guys get married Mm-mm. it's not that important Mm-mm. you know yeah. it's like those type of comment for me is like is marriage marriage more important or the cultural aspect right. of this person being yeah. wanted to get married i'm like no marriage is not that important mm-hmm. the prayer is important right right and i will say it though in terms of religiosity and stuff like that i wanted somebody that was a good muslim but i did not want a sheikh uh yeah I can hear that too. <laughs> because I've had experiences where the <sighs> certain people that push the narrative that they're a sheikh or whatever, they tend to come off as very snobby. Mm. And that's not to say all of them are, but the ones that I've encountered and that I've talked to are. So when it comes to the initial stages and talking to my husband, I loved the fact that he was religious, you know, and mm-hmm. that he was low-key and that he was down-to-earth and stuff like that. But I also liked the fact that he wasn't a sheikh and that he was an ultra-conservative, ultra-religious. Mm-hmm. I think also, in a way, one thing I'm learning and I've learned in my search for Islam and my search in Islam is that the people that are the most connected and the most authentic, the most internally driven to be better for themselves and better for their family and better better muslims they don't have time they don't have time to be judgmental they don't have time mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. critical they don't they are so busy and fixing what they think is wrong with mm-hmm. them or how they're not where they need to be yeah that they're so merciful so merciful yeah mm-hmm. so whenever i see people that are like judgmental or i'm just like they've got time You've got time. Mm-hmm. That means, I'm, I'm not going to say that, but I'm like, you're not what you're projecting to be. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. what I, I get from that vibe. So last question that I wanted to ask about this topic is that what are some traits in our, in our culture or values that you find very important, specifically in normal community? Like, I love this part of our culture mm-hmm. that you want to amplified in your kids and yourself and you want to continue to like grow in it even though now we're talking about we talked about religion but i want to hear more about oromo culture what is that for you too i want someone that's proud and a proud oromo that's someone that wants to learn about his oromo mama what being oromo means because we all have a different idea of what oromo is right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we all have different oromo cultures mm-hmm. and if you're someone that's like, oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I want to know that. Or even someone that understands that learning different languages from Ethiopia, it doesn't make you less Oromo. Mm-hmm. That was very, very important to me, actually, because my Oromi... My Oromi, my Oromi Oromifa. Oromifa. Is that, wow, I lost it. <laughs> yeah, it is that was very important to me because my Oromifa is not that great. So I wanted to make sure that specifically like he either understood Amharic, he knew Amharic or he understood Amharic or he, he was okay with the language, you know, and that mm-hmm. knowing the language didn't mean that all of a sudden, because a lot of people consider the fact that like you speak Am- Amharic, like you're a sellout. The Oromo thing, the language that you're saying earlier, Abshiro, is that having someone who's 
specifically speak Oromo that I understand and mm-hmm. communicate in Oromo. Mm-hmm. I think Oromo is such a beautiful romantic language that it's hard to get angry in Oromo and I can't passionately express myself when I'm mad in Oromo. <laughs> yeah. I can only sweet talk. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's, it's a beautiful language. Yeah. 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 I think I would say that because my husband is really, really good at Oromo, my Oromo has improved. Mm. Yay. Good for you. <laughs> I know. Good for me. Good at me. Yeah. <laughs> good for you. Do you guys speak in Oromo at home though? We do. And okay. I and I try to make it a point to speak with our kids in Oromo too. Okay. Um, it's hard because like my little girl, I'll say something in Oromo and then she'll reply back to me in English. Then I'll just do it in English. Oh. It's intentional. Like you okay. have, I have to intentionally be like, okay, let me talk to her in Oromo. Mm-hmm. It's not an automatic thing. Yeah. Um, or send it to Akko's house. Akko's yeah. Dish. Right. You're I right. feel like that's what I'm trying. I feel like I want to talk to them in Amharic mm-hmm. because my own sex, right? Mm-hmm. But then. They go to the grandma's house and they, that's what they... Oromo. Sp- yeah, Oromo. Yeah. So, and then yeah. Jelan was... Oh, Jelan speaks Oromo. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, like, I want them to be yeah. able to... Yeah. I want to consciously talk to them in Amharic mm-hmm. or Oromifa, mm-hmm. but then it ends up being in English. I know, mm-hmm. yeah. So, let's talk a little bit about beauty standards and <gasps> our culture. Because I was watching something and this girl, she was saying basically how, like, Oromo beauty standards are very attainable. It's not. It's not like the far-fetched Western standards of like super skinny, blah blah blah, and all this stuff. But you know how like in Oromo we value like for example darker gums or the the what is it called Uh, the gap, yeah, yeah. the gap and stuff like that. Yeah, it's not extreme. Mm -hmm. It's not Mm -hmm. extreme beauty standards, Mm -hmm. but it's like the average girl can attain it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes, but I also want to push back a little bit because I feel like to a certain degree, not just Ottoman culture, but East African culture, and this I feel comfortable saying East African culture, mm-hmm. and I will take the heat if that's not true. <laughs> we have our beauty standards is colonized a little bit because the darker the girl is or the darker the guy is, the less attractive they're seen. No, not yes. necessarily. But look, wait, wait, hold on. Let me for the darker one. one. For the darker one, I feel like... In terms of dark skin, I think certain parts is valued. What does that mean? Like Gurati, Bunatiya, or whatever. Like certain songs or whatever. Mm. They do In value this, they, dark skin. I don't know. I mean, it might be minute. My, I think that's more of um, her. Not really. Feminism talking. Not really. <laughs> you never Can I know. tell you something? <laughs> I know a very, very, very like prominent family prominent family Mm -hmm. that is very much regular my shade i'm not too light i'm not too dark whatever Mm -hmm. that they have segments in their family that is they're very very automobile like Mm-hmm. Everybody knows them. It's where, like, where is this? Is this in Addis? Here, and even here in America. Imagine this is in America, mm-hmm. and everybody knows. Like they live in, I think, I don't know, in the Cedar. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah. Everybody knows them, mm-hmm. and they have sh- segments of their family because of marriage and so on and so forth mm-hmm. that they're darker, mm-hmm. and they would like, oh, she would be so pretty if she wasn't so dark in Oromifa. I would butcher it, but I know how to say it. Like, because I've heard it so much said mm-hmm. to their kids mm-hmm. that it's almost like I know the way you say it because of them. Mm-hmm. It should be so pretty if she wasn't so dark. Do she you think w- that sentiment has influenced you when looking for a spouse? No. I personally have a type. Be My honest? type. Well, I know. No. <laughs> I personally have a type. It's a very, very, very specific type. Mm-hmm. I don't like guys that are too light. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not attracted to guys that are too light or too dark. Mm. And that's just attraction. It's not value. I don't put value on that. Mm-hmm. It's just attraction. Just like I don't like guys that are too tall. I know girls are like, oh my God, I die for the 6'10", whatever. I hate looking up at people. Mm. I don't know if it's a power thing. Mm-hmm. If you're too tall for me, I cannot deal with you. It just bothers me. Hmm. Again, that's a preference. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's something that's a lot yeah. of people like and I don't yeah. like. So stuff like that. Like I don't. I used to not like facial hair, but... Oh, I like it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it grew on her. It grew on it grew her. on me now. Oh. You like a clean shaven thing. I, like I just kid. used to like that, but I, now I don't. Now I, I now I can't deal with clean shaved people. That's a preference, but I don't have value to that. I could see mm-hmm. someone's beauty and just be like, not for me. Yeah, yeah. But so, culturally, um, that's a thing. Culturally, colorism and autumn East African culture is a thing to a point where our women mm-hmm. use bleach to dye as bleach, right? Fair and lovely's bleach, mm-hmm. like all of these things. It's like, yeah, I agree in so many aspects that there is like a little bit of colorism, colorism and anti yeah. blackness is does exist in our community. Our, our funya, what is it? Uh, it's funya, right? Funyan, yeah. Oh, yeah, bakake is bakake, like, but yeah, whatever they say, the funya is so like this, flat, and that. Yeah. it's flat, yeah. it's bold, it's, yeah. it's, it's very texturism. Yes, yeah. there is texturism, mm-hmm. there is colorism, Hair. there is. <laughs> That's included texturism. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Um, <laughs> just, I'm just being I'm very sorry yes. right now. That there is texturism, there is colorism, there is also a little bit of anti-blackness in our community. I, I can agree with that. And I have to also kind of create a disclaimer that that does not apply to every aspect of Oromo in, in yeah. general. Yeah. It's just based on the environment that we're in and we notice it. And just the comments that you made about like how should we... Is it celebrate Duda? Yeah. or like means that it should be pretty if she was lighter skin mm-hmm. and then being, yeah being a lighter skin or they call it magala mm-hmm. means that in between color mm-hmm. is very celebrated mm-hmm. which i've heard of that and i agree with that and i've heard it within my own family circles. members certain mm-hmm. circles and mm-hmm. stuff like that and i try to dismantle that within myself mm-hmm. and even if i notice that within i look at someone's like oh she's pretty but mm-hmm. if there's butt coming in my head, mm-hmm. I'm like, no, she's no. pretty. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's so sad to say this. And it's mm-hmm. also sad in when it comes to, but then that doesn't apply when it comes to the choices for men. We don't say, oh, that guy's too this and mm-hmm. we're not going to marry him. Yeah. But yeah. I also have to say just me being biased. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of Oromo girls are beautiful. A lot of them. I really have not seen Oromo girl that's not pretty. Seriously. They're so pretty is that sometimes I'm like, why are guys are not photogenic? Like, you look at them, you look at them like, why? Like, and yeah. then you see them in real life, like, okay, you don't look that bad. It's yeah. just that your, your photos are not selling you very well, you yeah. know? Yeah. But to also look at the, when we're talking about the topic for today is that mm-hmm. we, because of those language that we hear mm-hmm. in our household, mm-hmm. those texturism, those colorism, those anti-blackness that we have mm-hmm. does contribute to we picking our spouse. That's true. So, to close our main topic for today, what would be one of like advices about colorism that you want to give mm-hmm. or and then also about religiosity, mm-hmm. about the culture norm that is like patriarchy, very it's not acceptable work in this in this environment that we're in mm-hmm. because some of the cultural things that we know from back home doesn't work here. Mm-hmm. When saying that, too, I feel like we tend to forget sometimes that even in the culture that we're in here, in the Western culture, there are things that are influencing us when we are looking for a partner or whatever. So 
keeping that in mind, I feel like it's really important to take your culture and say, okay, these are the things that I am aware of that are influencing me and influencing my choice and my identity. And then on the flip side too, this is the environment that I'm in and these are the things that are influencing me. And making like a wise decision about what type of partner you want, knowing all of these things. You know, I I feel like it's not black and white where we're all saying, okay, you know, all culture is influencing and, you know, this is bad and whatnot and stuff like that. But just picking something that works for you. And if you are saying, okay, I'm Oromo, I want to marry Oromo, I want to marry an Oromo guy, that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that, Mm -hmm. too. That is a very interesting topic. And I want to just jump on that. Everything I'm sure said it. The whole time I feel like when we were talking about culture, we were talking about Oromo culture, forgetting that we are also talking about the diaspora and the culture that you grow up in here is mm-hmm. like the culture in Minneapolis is different than the culture in Blaine and the fo- culture in California is different than the culture in Texas, right? So keeping that also in mind, I think when you are looking for a person, I feel like we always come back to that introspective thing mm-hmm. where you are looking within yourself, like, you know, I'm sure I did making that list. I think lists are very important. It's almost speaking things into existence, Mm -hmm. making that list of like, these are my non-negotiables. These are the things that are very important to me. Mm -hmm. And then analyzing those lists into why are these things on my list? Mm -hmm. What is contributing Mm -hmm. within myself, within Mm -hmm. my culture, within my family dynamic to make these things on my list, right? Mm -hmm. If it's coming from a positive, constructive space, Mm -hmm. then that's great. If your list is influenced by your trauma, like if you're looking for a certain type of guy because you have a certain type of lifestyle, then you're responding to trauma versus like looking into what you actually need and want, Mm. right? So Mm -hmm. making sure you analyze and filter through and evaluate and put your list to court, take your list to court and figure that out mm-hmm. with the cultural lens, with the religious lens, with the family lens and all so on and so forth. And also evaluate and make sure you're very critical of the people that are couples around you, mm-hmm. right? The people that and are married that around you. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And see that works for you and see why, how that's influencing you, mm. how that relationship is influencing you. If your parents are in an abusive relationship, is that influencing you? Is that something that you, you are tolerant of? Mm. or is that something that triggers you mm-hmm. if your parents are in a very codependent relationship or your siblings are in a codependent relationship is that something that you are into mm-hmm. you know or something that do you see that in yourself mm-hmm. so on and so forth so just being very aware of what kind of relationships that are like either marriage relationships you know whatever that is around you and how you view those relationships and how those relationships influence you so those are the things that i would recommend that people do mm-hmm. okay well thank you so much ladies it's been such an amazing conversation as usual and i think this has been a really good difficult conversation but until next time i really wanted to say i really enjoy myself listening to you talk about your experiences <laughs> <laughs> till next time Join the conversation in the comment section or on our Instagram page to share with us what you think. We do not have all the answers and our biggest goal is to kick off and get the conversation going. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept our efforts and use us as catalysts for change.